today on CityCast Madison. Did you have to learn this quote in school? What's in a name that would recall a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet? From Romeo and Juliet. Well, the American Ornithological Society says there's a lot in a name. They're making a big shift. In an effort to address past wrongs and better promote the broader enjoyment, protection, and study of birds, the American Ornithological Society is changing all English bird names currently named after people within North America. That's because there are some seedy characters in that roster of names. So what does that mean? And how might it impact bird names and birding here in our region? We knew who to ask. Dexter Patterson, the co-founder of the group BIPOC Birding Club of Wisconsin, and the self-identified Wisco birder has the bird word. It's Wednesday, December 20th. I'm Bianca Martin, and here's what Madison's talking about. All right, all right, all right. Dex, welcome back. What's up, Bianca? I hear there's some change afoot or a flutter. (laughs) (laughs) The American Ornithological Society is changing all English bird names, currently named after people within its geographic jurisdiction. It's like 70 or 80 species. Yep. Do you agree with this move? I do. I do. I really do. It's it's one of those things, you know, in the world of bird watching, I, I really feel like bird every bird tells a story right so yet the names that we have assigned to what i like to call our feather friends they often carry these tales of a less enchanted nature right where they're eponymous and honorific common bird names and and a lot of these names are kind of bestowed upon you know sometimes well-meaning but sometimes misguided naturalists and often they're old white people. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think that that's something where people kind of don't think about that and how that has kind of lingered in the ornithological lexicon for all these years. It, it, it's kind of wild because, you know, you ask, do we we support it? Do I support it? And as the co-founder of the BIPOC Birding Club of Wisconsin, we were super excited. We were super excited about the announcement, fully support. Uh, what the AOS did, um, because changing English common names of bird species and making them more accurate, right? I think this is where people kind of miss the boat, where they 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 talk about erasing history and all this crap. But it's like we're not erasing history. What we're trying to do, what they're trying to do, is to accurately name birds to reflect their appearance and their ecology, and. Mm. I, I think that's where people are missing the boat and 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 taking it way too personal and, and don't realize that this is literally to make the bird names more accurately reflect who the heck these little birds are. Yeah. Well, you know, I've seen the shift likened to taking down statues or Confederate statues in the South. Yeah. I, I saw one comment on the AOS site from someone, though, kind of annoyed with the change says, no one thinks about Anna when they reference the Anna hummingbird. 
arg. So that was the quote. Mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of misses the point. If I'm out there, you know, as someone who's interested in birding, wanting to get to learn the different birds, Anna doesn't really characterize, wouldn't make me think of a specific type of color or flying pattern or anything like that. Yeah, it doesn't. And I think the people like that, they're really missing the historical context. So where they say, oh, I don't think about Anna. Well, that's not that hummingbird isn't thinking about Anna either. Right. <laughs> and, and what's so funny about it is that hummingbird was probably spotted by native people before Anna. So like all these people are talking about, oh, you're taking away discoveries. Did they really discover this bird? Does this bird owe you anything? That's what I would ask. Like, and it doesn't. It doesn't. Um, so, really trying to be reflective of those biases of the create uh, of the creators of these names. It really does carry a weight of this colonial legacy. And I just think once we start to acknowledge that and actively work to transcend that, if we really wish to honor and learn from history, it's not it's not erasing history. And and if we think about where we are. We're kind of in this era of social justice. Um, Hopefully more people are trying to join on the forefront of this collective consciousness to really try to reassess the impact of actions. Um, And maybe it's trivial to some people, but it matters. And I think by opting for names that accurately describe a bird's features, we can step out of those shadows of colonial history. We can grow as a society and cultivate a more inclusive and respectful birding community. I love it. And you made so many good points. One that stands out to me is the idea of like whose history is being erased. Like there's very likely people who had seen that bird before and maybe had a different name for that bird. (laughs) So... You know, you're talking about this being a critical effort, and I wanted to hear a little bit more why this effort is important. One thing I I saw was, I mean, it's really about getting folks more involved in birding. And there's, I was kind of surprised by the numbers. It was like 70, 80 species that were included. And I, that just sounded alarming. I'm like that, that few. Yeah. I mean, what they're trying to do, the AOS is those 70 to 80 bird species are the ones primarily in the U.S. and Canada. Um, So they're going to start there. And I think it's important, too, because here we also really control like authority over Latin American bird names, which is kind of weird. Right. When we're talking about you just mentioned like. Maybe there are these people who have spotted these birds before, but here we are in North America telling people in uh, Latin America what they should call birds that are native to their their areas or their countries. So I think it also opens up this broader conversation about Latin American engagement and broader discussions about wider changes. Once they start with the 70 or 80 birds, maybe it, it kind of creates this movement to look at it a little more holistically start engaging ornithologists and organizations in Latin America and really trying to show, hey, we're committed to being collaborative and and being more globally informed about birds because uh, I think that's the that's the key is it's not about just us. Um, and that's inclusion, too, when we're thinking about inclusion. And I think that's why it matters. And as a whole, naming is super powerful. 
right? It, it shapes perception of the world. It shapes in influences and interactions with it <laughs> um, as well. But by adopting names that align with the visual characteristics of birds, I keep going back to that. We not only celebrate the diversity of these creatures, but also contribute to a more equitable um, and just bird watching community. And for me, Bianca, as a BIPOC birder, that hits home for me. And it's also that's at the heart of what we do at the BIPOC Birding Club of Wisconsin. Like that is literally our mission is to celebrate the diversity of birds, but celebrate the beauty of what birders are and changing the perception of what a birder is and welcoming everybody. You know, I always tell people birding is for everyone, even you. And that that is literally my mission as the Wisco birder. And I'm out there. I want people to see this younger, younger-ish black man out here having fun, frolicking in the woods, laughing and, and dancing and celebrating birds for who they are and not trying to have ownership over them. Because I, I swear, just being in nature, being one with birds, it really does kind of put in perspective who you are and what you are in the grand scheme of things in this universe. I think when people take a step back and stop thinking about things so personal, right? Like you are not those old people that some of these birds are named after that own slaves that were really bad people at that time. That's not you. So why are you so, why, why are you offended by that? Right? So I think uh, they need to take a step back, re re realize this isn't about you. Stop thinking about you so much and uh, remove that privilege a little bit um, and ask yourself, why am I so offended by this? Why am I offended that we want to name birds for what they actually look like? Right. I'm so glad that you just shared all that because it, it's making my little heart sing. And because I, I wanted to also ask, how does it feel as a person who's black and a birder to see this kind of commitment from the American Ornithological Society. I think it feels good. We've kind of seen this since uh, the Central Park incident with a good friend of mine, Christian Cooper, a couple years back, right around the time when George, the George Floyd thing happened in Minneapolis, it kind of sparked this movement across the nation. So Christian gets targeted in Central Park by a white woman, calls the police on him because he simply tells her that your dog can't be off leash in the park. And she just freaks out. Sir, I'm asking you to stop. Please don't come close to me. Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording me. Please, please don't come off. close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't come close to and me. I'm taking pictures of calling the cops. Please, please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm gonna tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life. Please tell them whatever you like. She calls the police, tells the police she's being attacked by Christian, who happens to just be filming her from far away, by the way, like nowhere near this woman. And just really, and I'm so happy he actually recorded this because she was trying to get him harmed, right? And, and whatever way that that was gonna take place. She was trying to avoid accountability and immediately put it on him. Like, I'm gonna yeah, call the me, police on you. I'm gonna call the police because, you know why? Because she just assumed the police are gonna take her side show up and do something to Christian, right? But what it did is it sparked this wider conversation about race, about birding, about Black people outdoors, about 
feeling safe outdoors. It sparked a national movement called Black Birders Week. And, and it really is set forth a lot of the stuff that we're seeing happening now, whether it's the a lot of these Audubon chapters changing their name, no longer want to be associated with the James Audubon name, who was a slave owner. A, uh, uh, he, he did so many evil things. He robbed graves and he faked scientific evidence and did some really good things for birds, but also did some horrible things, whether it was just being a bad human being. Uh, right. And, and it kind of started there, but also being fraudulent in, in some of the work he did as well to try to boost up his reputation and do some things. Yes, very talented artist, did a lot of things in the bird conservation world, but also was just a bad person. And if we want to grow, if we want to bring more people into the fold, we need to realize that let's be Let's welcome in more people and having your organization named after people that own slaves, that rob graves, that were fraudulent in so many different levels does not make more people want to be uh, associated with that. So it kind of started there. And now we're starting to see that it's kind of opened up the floodgates, per se, of more conversations about, all right, how do we learn from our history? How do we grow? How do we bring more people into the fold to care about birds, to care about their habitats, to care about conservation as a whole, which ultimately, that's what it should be about. It shouldn't be about the people. It should be about the birds. It should be about the environment. And, and that's what I'm really excited about as a BIPOC birder is just seeing this shift all right. Like this isn't this isn't about this this history. It's about the future and about where we're about to go in the future. And I think if people can fo focus on the future, which is a heck of a lot brighter with more people caring about birds. And it's not about you. It's about the birds. It's about the land. Whew. Preach. Get out the way. It's not about you. <laughs> Do you know some of the like common birds to our area that are getting renamed birds we'd see around Madison? Yeah, there there are a few and there's so many, right? And yeah. there are a few like one of my absolute favorite birds, it's called the Wilson's warbler right now. And it is the cutest little bird ever. It's the it's it's the smallest warbler species that we see in North America and it's this little bitty yellow bird and it literally has a black hat like this black, black spot on his head that looks like a hat or a do-rag, as I like to say. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm like, he's he working on his wave game, you know what I mean? So he's basically got his little black do-rag on and just this adorable little bird. And I'm like, when I look at it, I'm like, well, the Wilson's Warbler is named after this old, old white dude named Alexander Wilson. And I'm like, that means nothing to me. But if you call it the black-capped warbler, I'd be like, oh, it's a warbler and has a black cap. And it makes a lot more sense, right? What about the Wu-Tang cap? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> black and yellow. <laughs> you know, so I'm thinking warbler. about that, right? The Wu-Tang like, warbler. <laughs> yeah, no offense to, to, to Alexander Wilson, but um, the black cap warbler or the Wu-Tang warbler is way cooler. But we don't want to name it after any people, right? Right, right. Uh, and, no, I'm, I, I'm going totally, backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I fully support, like, let's not name them about any people because ultimately it's about precision and having having names that reflect those, uh, reflect those identifications. And, those, you know, that, I think that makes more sense. 
Um, and common so, sense sometimes is lost these days. Yeah. So do you think this this move will really help the burning community or in the scientific community and in terms of, you know, tracking and that sort of thing? I do. I think people need to realize because bird watching as a whole, it's an art that hinges on precision, observational skills. Right. So what better way to honor the essence of this than giving bird names that actually capture their appearance? Make it easier for people to identify the bird that they're seeing. And it's not, oh, that's a Lincoln Sparrow. That's a Harris's Sparrow. That's a Townsend Solitaire. That's Bell's Vireo. That's Swainson's Hawk and Thrush. That's Franklin's Gull. That's Baird's Sandpiper. Like, what? Who cares about all those names, right? Let's give them names. And all those birds I just named, uh, Bianca, actually are in our area. So uh, those are birds we can see on a regular basis throughout the year, whether it's spring or fall, summer or whatever. Um, but let's let's get to the power of precision. I, I just think this falls short of the precision that a lot of birders claim to respect and want. Right. Mm -hmm. They want to be accurate. Uh, well, if you want to be accurate, let's let's really take it to that level and describe these birds on how they look, where they live, those type of things. That makes a lot of sense. It's a great point. And knowing that, why don't we take a shot at it? I <laughs> asked you if you would be willing to play a little game with me, which is renaming birds on the spot <laughs> for fun and some of the birds in the Madison area that are gonna, you know, they're gonna get their names changed to be more about what they look like. Do you, are you ready to rock on some of those? We can try. I'm, 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 I'm really, what I'm excited about is to hear what you come <laughs> up with. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm pretty much expert. So you mentioned we talked about the Wilson warbler, and so we've got that one in. Um, and you mentioned a whole bunch of other birds. Um, we I pulled some of them, which is the Lincoln Sparrow. Looked it up, looked at a photo. I think the Lincoln Sparrow should be uh, brown mohawkie. <laughs> the, the brown mohawk. The brown sparrow. mohawk sparrow. It has got a little bit of a do. I yeah, book it. The brown mohawk sparrow. It's Whoa. so fun. It's so fun. <laughs> would you? Well, so we're we're good with that one. Okay. Another one was the Harris sparrow. I don't have a great one for this, but I my first thought, and I'm going with my gut, was blackface Betty. Or Biddy, blackface Biddy, but Biddy's kind of confusing. Betty is a name, so I actually need to dump that. I'm still, I'm still challenged. On this. See that it, it's gonna be a process. We just talked about roadblocks, and there may be some learning opportunities. But I will say though, the blackface sparrow, it's good. But the the thing about the Harris sparrow is that face is only black like that during the, the breeding season. So that may be something that we have to think about because it's not always going to look like Well, that tr that tracks. So this is another thing that has to be considered with making new names is that they don't always look the same throughout the year. Um, and we only have one one left. And I was thinking about in terms of people, you know, people, birds, birds. We need to stop anthropomorphizing the birds. I think that's probably part of it. But the Franklin Gull is the last one we're going to play, rename this bird. And I'm thinking about I just like the mating season and 
beauty is an eye in the beholder. This bird kind of looks a little silly to me. <laughs> I don't have a great. Oh, they're very, they're very silly looking because they got this <laughs> black head, but then the the white eye ring, their eye right in the middle. It very, it looks very cartoonish, yes. doesn't it? Where it's just like you look at it and you're like, oh my god, like this little bird is so adorable. But yeah, they have these black heads. So I would say, you know, black-headed gull, you know, is the simplest. Sometimes I say less is more, but we could have some fun with it because it is a goofy-looking bird. Oh my gosh, yes. Less is definitely more. Dex has been really fun. I think there's, you know, it just goes to show there's work ahead, but a lot of people are committed and certainly the American Ornithological Society and the BIPOC Birding Club of Wisconsin is committed to the change. And yeah, it's just really... It's really neat. Thanks for giving us an update on that. Yeah, I do too. I really want to give a big shout out to Bird Names for Birds. They have been fighting this fight behind the scenes for years. Um, And it's a movement. They've been trying to advocate for the bird names to change and be more representative of the bird for many years. So we want to give them a huge, huge shout out. Kudos, y'all. Thank you. That's Dexter Patterson, the co-founder of the group BIPOC Birding Club of Wisconsin. You can find him on all the socials at The Wisco Birder. One last thing before you go. We've got an update to a story we published on Monday. In case you missed it, there's a proposed contract between Dane County Regional Airport and the Air National Guard that's facing some scrutiny. The contract would exempt the military from liability for toxic PFAS chemical pollution at the airport from its firefighting foam. This has some of the Dane County Board Supervisors concerned. We reached out to the airport with some questions. Here's what they told us. While firefighting foam containing PFAS is still being used at the airport, spokesman Michael Rickers says it's only used in emergency situations. And a new PFAS-free foam has been approved by the Federal Aviation Administration, which the Department of Defense is in the process of procuring. We asked if the airport intended to modify the airport joint use agreement, given the board county supervisor's requests around clarity of future use of PFAS. Rickers says, quote, the current language in the airport joint use agreement was agreed upon by both the airport and the National Guard. Both parties have a clear understanding of the terms of the agreement. The Dane County Board of Supervisors is set to vote on the agreement this Thursday, also known as tomorrow, at the final board meeting of the year. If you want to listen to our earlier conversation with Dane County Supervisor Yoga Shaula, check out our show notes for a link. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Bianca Martin. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this episode with the most outdoorsy person in your life? especially if they're the ones that like to like point out different birds and plants and this is that and this is this. They're going to love this combo. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more stories from around the city. Ciao.